Today, in a major cabinet shuffle, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau promoted seven rookies to his front bench, dropped seven ministers, and reassigned the majority of, uh, of cabinet roles. It's one of, if not the most consequential configurations to his cabinet since 2015, meant to reset the minority liberal agenda after eight years in power. Here in British Columbia, BC MP Terry Beach, uh, MP for Burnaby North Seymour, finally becomes a minister, and he's a minister of citizen services. Uh, Harjeet Sajjan becomes the minister of emergency preparedness. Uh, Carla Qualtrough from Delta, uh, also a member of parliament, becomes minister of sport and physical activity. Jonathan Wilkinson stays put, uh, but his portfolio is being renamed Energy and natural resources. A lot of changes, but what does it all mean? Well, joining me now is Warren Kinsella. He's a Toronto-based lawyer, author, and consultant, and former special assistant to Jean Chrétien. Warren, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's jump in here. Uh, Your thoughts on this cabinet. What was sort of your reaction after uh, Mr. Trudeau announced uh, his cabinet? Well, I know the cliche is to say it's shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic. And the polls certainly suggest that the Trudeau government is in some trouble. Uh, It may work. You know, they needed to do a restart. They needed to unplug the computer and plug it in again. So, you know, this may have the effect of doing that. But, you know, if you look at the polling, Nanos yesterday, Abacus today, those are two firms that are not hostile to this government. Uh, The Trudeau government is in some big trouble. If an an election was held today, Pierre Polyev would win a majority government. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government is spinning this as a complete overhaul. There are many new faces. Uh, does that change anything, though? I mean, I I saw new faces, but I also kind of felt, well, I, I didn't know of any up-and-coming star in any meaningful way that was, where you could say, hey, these guys are heading in a different direction. They're listening. They're hearing. Uh, seven fresh new faces, but is that enough? Yeah, and, it, and will it work? You know, the... the problem with a government like Trudeau's, I've got a column about this in Post Media mm-hmm. today, and, um, you know, past prime ministers have been very successful. You know, Chrétien had Paul Martin and John Manley, Mulroney had Joe Clark and Kim Campbell, and, you know, Stephen Harper had um, any number of ministers who were senior and, and memorable. Trudeau does not. And, you know, that's a problem in terms of succession when he eventually leaves. Like, there's no clear person standing in the wings to take over the Liberal Party of Canada. But the other problem is when he stumbles, and he has stumbled many times with SNC-Lavalin and Jody Wilson-Raybould or uh, the Wee scandal or now Chinese interference in our democracy, there's nobody to kind of protect him or or pick up the reins or, or you know, carry the liberal brand forward. And that is a big, big problem. It, it, sometimes it resembles more, Liberal Party remembers more, uh, more of a cult of personality to me than an actual political party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just want to switch gears just for a moment here. Uh, BCMP Terry Beach of Burnaby North becomes Minister, Minister of Citizen Services. Uh, you know, Carla Qualtrough becomes Minister of Sport and, and, and Physical Activity. I mean, these are important in the grand scheme of things, I know every uh, department is important here. Uh, and Harjeet Sajjan uh, is president of the King's Privy Council, Minister of Emergency Preparedness. Jonathan Wilkinson stays in his portfolio, but it's renamed to Energy and Natural Resources. Um, you know, you could say, look, we've, we have ministers from British Columbia. But my sense, even since 2015, they've taken away the minister's regional office here. There doesn't seem to be, to me, 
of feeling that we have a strong representative for the federal government in British Columbia tackling local issues. It can be as simple a thing as answering uh, the local newscast questions on a specific issue at any given time. Now, that person is available, that we have a strong representative from B.C. Minister Wilkinson, strong on policy, probably not the most natural politician. The other ones I find generally keep a low profile out here. Uh, my sense is it's always been this way, that Mr. Trudeau has such a big brand that, that we don't have sort of a local B.C.-specific MP minister that is ready to speak to B.C. issues locally and even challenge some of the status quo in Ottawa. I totally agree. You know, uh, you know, I don't think it's just a neglect of B.C. and B.C. issues. Like, it's actual disrespect. You know, one of Trudeau's answers traditionally when he has heard this criticism and say, well, you know, I come from the, the Sinclair dynasty in, in B.C. I come from, you know, a proud liberal tradition in the province of British Columbia. But, it, you know, I don't think that that's the case in, in, in the eyes of voters. And the polling shirt certainly reflects that, that the Liberal Party of Canada is in big trouble in British Columbia. You know, I think they'll hold on to, as things stand now, they'll hold on to some seats in the lower mainland, hold on to some seats in, in Vancouver proper. But they're, they're going to lose seats for the very reason you cite. The Liberal Party of Canada has kind of become invisible in Vancouver and, and in BC generally. And, you know, having lived there and having run there myself, you got to work it. You got to work hard because Ottawa is seen as far, far away. And Ottawa is seen as not being interested in the issues that are matter in BC. And I think this cabinet shuffle, you know, no disrespect to any of these new faces, this cabinet shuffle is, is more evidence of that. Our guest is Warren Kinsella. We're talking about uh, today the uh, Prime Minister announcing uh, his new cabinet, an overhaul, seven new ministers uh, brought into new portfolios. We've been talking about the state of the, uh, the, the government itself and, and where it stands in regards to many issues. Uh, Warren, let's touch on a little bit about the course correction uh, beyond this uh, cabinet shuffle. Many people have said, you know, the party has obviously moved to the left uh, and that's it's been successful in doing so, whether it's with uh, the NDP in regards to this coalition and even for uh, Mr. Trudeau to first be elected in 2015. The course correction that's needed now from what you see and what you're seeing, it almost seems to mean the liberals almost need to turn into Chrétien liberals of the past, which is a heavy focus on uh, economy, and even a Martin liberals as well, and that together both of them uh, dealt with the issue of deficit and debt in a significant way. Uh, it seems to me the party almost needs to move to that type of liberal again to have a chance. Well, I was Jacques Gretchen's special assistant, so I tend to agree <laughs> with you. You know, and we made some of the biggest cuts to the federal, federal government in generations uh, because we had to. You know, like this, the deal that that Justin Trudeau did with Jagmeet Singh, on the one hand, it was positive for him. It obviously basically transformed what was a minority government into a majority government and gave him stability. And basically, he brought together the left in 2022 in the way that Stephen Harper brought together the right in 2004. The downside, however, is exactly what you just said. By doing a deal with the NDP, it looks like he's abandoned economic issues. It looks like he's abandoned 
prudent you know fiscal policy and that's revealed again in the polling that I talked about before the break which is both Nanos and Abacus two respected polling agencies used by the Trudeau government find overwhelmingly if your issue if your top issue is the economy people believe that the conservative party is about four times better at holding handling the economy than the liberal party in fact the liberal party is only a couple points ahead of the NDP in terms of which party is best to handle the economy hmm. uh, one other issue i want to uh, touch on with you and, and it actually comes from uh, a phrase that i've been hearing a lot of uh, in the last probably three or four months here, and it's been growing. And that phrase is, I'm pro-immigration, but... Uh, and usually that's followed up with concerns over affordability, uh, concerns over housing, and specifically referencing the fact that we are allowing a significant amount of immigrants to come to this country. Uh, back in the 1990s, we'd be debating, you know, 225, 250,000 Canadians coming here. Today, this year, I think it's about 460, 480,000. Next year in 2025, it's half a million. So not only uh, are people talking about that uh, at the economic level, at the business community level, but even immigrants themselves, people who are children of immigrants or have been here for a long time, but came here as immigrants and saying, wait a minute, slow down here. We have a housing crisis. We have affordability challenge. We understand we need immigrants, but half a million, that seems like way too much. Um, do you think that's going to hurt Mr. Uh, Mr. Trudeau and his government potentially? Because I haven't heard this type of, I don't want to call it anti-immigration because it's not, but it's a concern over the immigration numbers that continues to grow. Even today with this cabinet shuffle, um, the, one of the mayoralty representatives of our TransLink system, Brad West out of POCO, uh, uh, was on this show saying basically, look, uh, we're pro-immigration, but the impact on housing and affordability is significant. I'm just wondering, a party that generally does well with immigrant votes, could this be the moment where perhaps immigration hurts them? Well, you and I have known each other for a long time. You know I've written books about racism. Mm-hmm. It is not racist to talk about immigration policy. It's not racist to have concerns about the way we've done immigration policy. And there's no better example of that than what's taken place in the city of Toronto in the past few days. In the past few days, the Trudeau government has been accepting refugees, as it should. You know That is part of our international obligations. It's a moral and ethical obligation we have to people who are escaping uh, turmoil and human rights abuses and so on. The the, the Trudeau government has allowed them to sleep on the sidewalk in Toronto. You know, men, women, and children on the sidewalk to the point where the new mayor of Toronto, Olivia Chow, said enough is enough. And she and Doug Ford, the conservative premier of Ontario, (laughs) issued a joint press release saying the Trudeau government needs to come to grips with the fact that its immigration and refugee policy is all wrong. They're bringing people in, and they're not helping them. They're not helping them integrate into Canadian society and get jobs and so on. So you're absolutely right. That concern that people have got, it's shared by immigrants and refugees themselves. It's like, why did you let us in just to abandon us? And, you know, that's something that the Trudeau guys need to address as well, and I think that's reflected in the numbers that we're seeing in the polling in the past few days. Mm. Well, it's going to be a very interesting fall uh, when they get uh, back to um, the House and uh, lots of debate, and we'll, I'm sure, talk again, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, my friend. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. 
Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.